thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne. <clears throat> we just relinquish all control to you, Father. Take over things here and run this service the way you want it run. I thank you, Lord, for giving me utterance uh, in the Holy Spirit of the truths that you want us to bring forth. So we bless you, we thank you, and we praise you, Father, for all that you're doing among us today, all that you desire to do, and all that you uh, have done. And we honor you and love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, <clears throat> and praise God. <clears throat> so today, I thought I'd like to focus on doubt, unbelief, and distraction. Amen. Uh, doubt, unbelief, and distraction, <clears throat> because it's very important for us to understand how to guard our faith amen uh, when the bible tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence um, it part of it is guarding our faith set so that your faith can always work for you our faith is given to us to help our lives is to help us live supernaturally through god and to help us continue <clears throat> to fulfill what god has called us into and uh, it's a wonderful thing to have this whole new world opened up to us uh, through our covenant with god through faith it's i think it's kind of fun to explore the things of god and his kingdom uh, because it's it's a very valuable thing in our lives we're being trained to be citizens of heaven we are citizens of heaven we're on loan to the earth and uh, it's a challenge sometimes to see heaven manifest the way God wants it to, but it is possible with faith. Amen. Uh, all things are possible if we believe. And so uh, that's the blessing of living by faith. And I think that's the blessing of um, that's why I try so hard to believe God's word and, and implement it and all of that, because it's worth it. Amen. You, you will find that it's worth it. Uh, it'll save you once you get into the life of faith you wonder what you've been doing all your life before you met the lord and uh, you don't want to find out you don't want to go back and start living outside of faith and so um, the only uh, option left for us is to continue amen jesus said if you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and what he, what he means by that is not just head knowledge but that word knowing means to have intimate knowledge of it'll be intertwined in your heart it will become a part of you and you'll receive the benefit of it so it, it is worth it to uh focus on the word meditate on the word learn and uh and put into practice the things that are in the word uh without uh without arguing with it without disputing it without wanting to be an exception you know to the rule that kind of thing just to humbly submit yourself to god's word and watch what happens amen just watch what happens when you submit yourself to the word of god so i thought we'd go back to the uh, story in matthew chapter 14 <clears throat> this is our friend peter in and out of the boat amen and um, how doubt unbelief and distraction can come into a situation to cause us to cease believing to cease following the lord to give up on the things that he has ordained for us um, uh, and and how powerful faith is if we continue to follow it amen if we continue to follow god by faith 
we'll find out how very powerful it is. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 1, no, I'm sorry, not 1, 22, like I said, 1422. Uh, wait a minute, hold it. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I was on the wrong page. Even got a, a what is this thing, the ribbon in there to tell me where to go, and I missed it. See, this ain't right. This ain't right. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, 22. It says here, and this is after Jesus had uh, fed the multitudes. Amen. So this is like a big deal that has occurred. Um, and Jesus is thinking already about his next appointment. As in gig. Where are you going, Giggy? <laughs> He'd have got giggy already. Praise God. But uh, he's thinking of his next appointment. And it's always good to understand that God still has work for us to do. Amen. I know sometimes we get so excited when God does something or we can experience some things at God. And we forget there's more, you know, to experience in God and God, I thank you for that experience, but show me the next one, you know, kind of thing. Always be anticipating uh, something else good coming your way. So um, he's they've had a miracle here, and it says in verse 22, And straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So Jesus is making provision for them to continue on in the work that they are called to do. Um, he, These are people in training for ministry. And so there's always a next experience. There's always a next lesson. There's always a next something to learn. And, and that is true of all of us because we are all called to ministry. You, believers, we are all called to ministry in Christ. So there's always a next opportunity. There's always a next um, open door. There's always a next uh, reason to, um, to set up uh, situations because there's always people in need. You know, ministry is not created out of nowhere. Ministry is for the the fulfilling of human need and to alleviate human suffering. So there's always somebody suffering somewhere. There's always somebody sick, always somebody lost, always somebody who doesn't know the Lord. All that's always true. So there will always be opportunities for us to minister and so as a as a way of continuing on uh, as disciples and continuing in God's word and continuing Jesus lets them know that they have another appointment and they need to get to get amen so oftentimes Jesus had like back-to-back um, ministry situations because he would minister to any and everybody had a need it wasn't like well, let's go rent something and pass out flyers. 
he took the presence of God with him wherever he went. And the anointing really is what draws people to you. As a believer, as a minister, it's always the Spirit of God that beckons them to come toward you because you have an answer and you have something that they need. Uh, if that's not true, then we're all in bad shape because how else do people know who you are? As a believer, you don't put up a sign on your house and says, believer here, come and tell me what you need. Huh? So somehow something's got to, you know, ding inside of you to let people know that you're the one. Amen. And that you can be trusted and that you can, uh, you have something from God for them. And so if we don't depend on the anointing and the spirit of God, we're not going to have much in the way of proven fruit and proven ability to really help people. Uh, and so it's always the anointing that draws people to you. This is what the Pharisees condemned Jesus for. Uh, they didn't like that he could get huge crowds of people, and they had to beat people to make them come to temple. Amen. Had to threaten them. They often they threatened to uh, not have people come because of one thing or another. You know, um, it's like. You know, churches, well, if you want to keep your membership, you know, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, if you're Catholic, they threaten to excommunicate you and you can't have communion. You know what I'm saying? It's like, go get your own bread and wine. <laughs> In fact, I think we'll have some with dinner tonight. You know, so it's like these are man-made rules that are slapped on top of God's holy place and then they get to be bigger than god because the rules start to take over rather than the spirit and the presence of god and so the pharisees were used to living by all their rules and regulations and you can't come in the temple you can't do that oh we can't pray for the sick on this day because that's work and this is you know all that stuff and jesus came and just by the spirit of god began to open his mouth in power and authority and good news flowed out of him and people were drawn by that if the anointing doesn't draw people to you they won't stay they won't come they won't get much you'll always be either trying to figure out how to increase your numbers or increase your crowd or try to get on TV so you can get some offerings. All that y'all be always be scheming how to increase and how to make it bigger than than what it is right now. And and the Bible says clearly in the book of Acts that the apostles, the people were daily under the apostles' doctrine and prayer, and God added to the church every day, such as would be saved. So we're missing some things if we want to do the Bible model. Number one, ain't nobody in church every day. In fact, ain't nobody in church on Sundays. <laughs> we ain't in there like we used to be. See what I'm saying? But there's still a lost world out there waiting to hear the good news. So we know that they're not dependent on church. I mean, the church, It's this is God's institution he set up. But if there's something happens where it can't function the way he ordained it to, he'll find another way. 
He always has another way. And so Jesus was that other way. Amen. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And he told people that, that you couldn't come to the Father except you went through his door. And so when you think about that, you think about the fact that the gospel is as free as it's ever been. Even with all of these restrictions and laws and all of this stuff, the gospel is never bound. It's always it's as free as it's ever been. And Jesus proved that in the way that he went about his ministry. He would just go and gather a crowd together. He would go in the temple and and teach, and he would also go in the streets and teach. So if if it was allowed in the temple and they didn't get on him too much, he taught there. But he also taught out on the street. So that lets you know that God is not confined to a building. God will go and, and people, he will find people that need him. He's always looking for people that he can minister to and help, and he uses his servants to do that. That's you and that's me. Amen. We are servants of God. Amen. So so here Jesus, it says here, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the, sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But in the ship, there's trouble going on. So already the ship in the midst of the sea is tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But right away Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter answering him. Now, I don't see where Jesus asked him nothing, but, you know, I was answering him anyway, piping up. said, Lord, if it really is you, let me come out with you on the water. And he said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Or what made you doubt? The important question to ask yourself sometimes. Now what made me doubt? (laughs) After he had saved my soul, which is a miracle in itself, what makes me doubt him to do other things? He said, what made you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Interesting. And they were that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you are the Son of God. So here we have in, in verse 22, it talks of, it says something interesting here. That word constrained is, is a, a word that implicates being compelled to do something, necessitated to do it it's necessary you do this when you constrain somebody you restrict them to obeying your words only amen so when you think about the fact that jesus constrained them it's like y'all get in the ship everybody in the ship 
and you get in there and you go here and that's all you're allowed to do. So when we have instructions from God, those instructions constrain us to follow his instructions to the letter. There's no wiggle room in the constraint of God. There's no wiggle room in obedience to God's word. So when God's word comes into your heart and it says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, that means in spite of how people treat you. That means in spite of what they did last time. That means in spite of what you assume their attitude is about you. You're constrained by the love of God to love everybody. Amen. And so when you stand before God and he says, well, why didn't you love people? And you say, well, you know, they did this. He said, uh-uh. I gave that word to constrain you into my love. And that's all you're allowed to do is love people. We're not allowed to make excuses for unforgiveness or for retaliation or holding grudges or anything like that. The love of God constrains us into love. His word constrains us to live within the confines of that word. So when it says Jesus constrained them, that means he made it necessary for them to follow his explicit instructions Because they had something important to do. He separated from them for a reason. When he was separated from them, it seems like he found it necessary to pray. To go apart. Because all he ever told them he was going to do was send the multitudes away. So that's all he was committed to do. At the time he gave them instructions. But then it says, after he sent them away, he felt within himself to separate himself and go pray. What do you think he was praying about? Where is there a need for him, for somebody to intervene for somebody? in the boat so jesus is praying about your trouble all the time he's always making intercession for us so he is praying you through safely as you obey him so he's already taking care of whatever kind of trouble is going to crop up with them between the time he left them and the time he they see him again so it's a done deal That if they stay in the boat, they're going to get where he told them they're going to go. They'll get there safely. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Maybe you had a little little nervousness here and there because the water was bad or some of you got a little seasick. I don't know. But you're going to get over to the other side. That's what Jesus has promised. And he begins to pray them through that so that if any difficulty comes up, it will be met with his word that they're going to get over and they're going to go to the other side you got me so whenever god sends his word before you he gives you instruction he tells you okay i want you to go out this is your day to get your new job i want you to go out and and finish this interview and and they will give you this job well in the meantime you run into people who tell you well they're not hiring anymore 
or they're, they've closed this down, or the only jobs they have left are, you know, the devil likes that one, you know, minimize what you, what God sends you there to do. So it's already uh, something you don't want in your mind. And so in the, in the midst of you obeying God's word that's coming to lead you to your blessing by faith, and the time you get there, there's trouble. But Jesus has already prayed for you, and your faith will not fail. If you continue on in faith, your faith won't fail you. Your faith will get you to the other side. It'll get you to your destination. So so here we, we see where they're constrained to stay in that boat and get to the other side. The constraint of the ship is important to know that the disciples were forbidden to go anywhere else or take any other route to get there other than that ship. See, many times we, when God tells us he's going to do something or he promises us something, our minds go crazy with how many different ways we can get that done and we get all these imaginary visions of how that's going to look and what it's going to you know what i'm saying we get real prophetical ish i don't know what you could call it everybody wants to be able to predict the future i mean everybody does it's just not the weird people on facebook you got you got people sitting behind a news desk want to prophesy and tell you who's going to be president, who ain't going to be president, and all that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody wants to get the credit, pop their collar, because I called it. I told y'all. See, there's a little bit of, of a, a, a deranged prophet in everybody. People who don't know God, don't know how to hear from God, can't run their own business. Huh? As they say, can't handle their own business and trying to handle yours. So that's just in people. And you know what? God put it there because we are supposed to be able to command our lives with our words. But instead of them commanding their own, they won't command everybody else's. I'm going to say it again. See, a sign of a false prophet, they can't command their own life, but they want to command yours all the time. See, this uh, this word is for somebody. I don't see nowhere in Old New Testament nothing where God sent a prophet out and said, tell everybody this word is for somebody. When he sent Jonah to Nineveh, he sent him to Nineveh with a message for the people and told him where to stand and where to go and who to tell and how to tell it. like god don't know who he wants to talk to you know that's making god look bad and if y'all write them things down and, and i'm amen i received this word sister stop it and go read your bible and get some sense about you you're receiving nothing because it wasn't sent to you it was sent to whoever you got a better whoever prophecy right here. Why well, they going to pick a little nugget out and feed you some of their leftovers? You can get the full counsel of God anytime you want to. Just pick up your Bible and read it. 
Oh, let me see. Where was I? Was in the boat, wasn't I? All right. Let's go back to the boat. All right. <laughs> but see, we have to watch it when God gives us a word, instruction, or there's something we desire from God when we're moving by faith and living by faith. Because that word will constrain us to a certain path, a certain if, if there are other people involved in it, those people will be chosen already. You don't have to go and look for somebody to help you fulfill a prophecy God gives you. Amen. Those people will be in the path. All you got to do is keep obeying God. They'll come to you oftentimes. You understand what I'm saying? God knows how to get. But you'll be constrained by God's vision, God's mind, God's word, God's orders. It's got to be 100% him so that he can get the glory out of it. And you can get the good results of it. Because if you deviate, you fluctuate, you change plans, jump ship, try to walk water, whatever it is that you think in your exotic little mind that you want to do, you're you're jeopardizing the good result. Peter jeopardized the good result that Jesus had for him. Amen. That's part of why he doubted, because when you get so far out of God's constraint and his pathway for you, you'll get into a realm of darkness where you don't you can't see your way and you don't understand where you're going, how you got there and how you're in this mess and how to get out of it. And so we need to get comfortable with the constraint. Amen. Learn to relax in the constraint of God so that when when you it's time for you to emerge at your destination you'll be there the way god wants you to be intact amen nothing missing nothing broken and so it when he constrain that word will constrain you from going anywhere everywhere talking to everybody about it uh getting uh trying to get 15 confirmations you don't really need that you just really need the witness of the holy ghost Many times God sends confirmations because we're we're slipping. We're losing our grip on our faith in something. Doubt is coming in. So when doubt starts to come in and emerge, oftentimes God will confirm it, will send it to us again. You understand somebody else will speak it to us or somebody will say, and then, then we we punctuate it and say, well, this is important because God has shown me again that this is what he wants me to do. And so we need to understand that there is a constraint there whenever God instructs us, whenever he gives us his word, whenever he gives us um, uh, a task to do, something he wants us to undertake, it's a must-do that we stay with it and complete it. Amen. So many promises are left hanging out there because people didn't like the constraint. Amen. We we want oh where this where this son of God is liberty. Liberty yeah, liberty to do God's will. This is not like you know in the the hippie generation, you know that kind of freedom, free everything, freedom to sin. It's not about that. And God God constrains us because within that constraint is a protection of God. There's the faith of God. There's the ability to 
increase your faith and to understand that God has something more that he's dealing with in you than just getting from one place to the next place. Uh, it Part of it is the journey, the things that happen along the journey that are so important that we we master these things or we understand them as we walk with God in the things that he has for us. So as believers, we need to get comfortable with a constraint that Jesus made them feel it's necessary for all of you to get in that boat and all of you to go over, and I will meet you over on the other side. So what he is saying here is that I'm not going to hold your hand always. I'm going to trust you to obey my instructions and go from point A to point B. I'll meet you over at point B, and then we'll open up the next thing that, you know, God has for us. Um, I was thinking about uh, Brother Summerall. Lester Summerall has gone home to be with the Lord now, but he lived to be in his 80s, and he started serving God back in the 1920s. He was confronted with tuberculosis. He was drowning in his own blood. God showed him a coffin or a Bible. He said, choose tonight because tomorrow is too late to choose. So that word constrained him, I think. He lived to be 84, so you know what he chose, right? And he chose to preach. And and he he ran into a gentleman, another minister, whose name was Howard Carter. Mr. Carter was a Bible teacher, a scholar, a very pro, prolific um, man in the Word. And Lester Summerall was, you know, a guy from the country, just a simple country guy. And he had been praying that God would teach him the word and and help him educate him and so he and brother carter became friends and they god had them meet supernaturally and brother carter prayed about it brother summerall prayed and brother carter told him he said you know god has shown me that you and i are to minister together and he told him exactly what brother summerall had been praying for said i'm going to teach you and you're younger than i am you'll be a man of strength to help me with the the things that need physical strength in the ministry you know like somebody who can travel uh long miles etc cetera, etc cetera, and just to be a helper to an elder uh minister in the gospel it's called discipleship uh it's and it still goes on it's god's proven and and uh trusted means of teaching and training people now, most Christians think they don't need no teaching and they don't need no training. He ain't talking about people like that. He's talking about people who recognize their need and understand if they're going to do much for God, they need to have some refinement, some knowledge, some understanding. So their relationship started out. and But Dr. Carter told Brother Summerall this. He said, now we don't discuss money. He said, if God tells us to go somewhere and minister together, he said, you get your money, I get mine, you find your way to to there, and I'll find my way there. He said, and if you don't have the money, I'll just keep going, and when you get the money, you catch up. Talk about constraint. But see, everybody has to have some responsibility for their own learning. 
if you just take tuition from people and say, oh, you just keep coming to class and we'll give you a piece of paper at the end of four years, you pass everything. They only have money invested. But Brother Summerall had more than money on the line. He had faith, had his future, had his position in God's kingdom. Everything was on the line for him to use his faith to get from one place to the next to the next. And so God must have this from everybody who's going to succeed in the kingdom, who's going to excel. There must be something that you invest in the situation so that God can see that you're sincere about it, that you're interested, and that you are there for business and not for monkey business. Amen. Because everybody wants to go to the number one church, the biggest church in the city, all that kind of stuff. But God is looking for people who want to follow Jesus, and that's it, and who are willing to sacrifice in order to see that happen. That word sacrifice gets to be a dirty word in some groups of people, you know. It's a shame. We're too too lazy to read our Bible and get God to talk to us. We got to go on Facebook and try to find somebody with a crazy word. God has given somebody $10,000. Well, get yours first and then show it to me. And you ain't getting it through my cash app. So the word of God always constrains us. It won't let you go here, there, and everywhere. It won't let you do everything. It will keep you in a place of confinement and testing until God wants to let you out. Those disciples sitting in that boat wanted out of the boat so bad. And you can tell that because one of them got enough nerve to get up and say, listen, this boat is so bad in here. It's just bad in here. I just want to get out. Amen. In order to get out of the constraint of God, you're going to have to walk on water. You understand me? Or you're going to find yourself right back in the constraint again. Because he means what he says. He's not listening to our excuses. Well, God, you know, I would do this for you, but you know. Huh? Right. People, people use all kinds of excuses. So flimsy. You know, well, you know, God, I would, I would be at church on time, but the kids, huh? See, either the kids, or, oh, you know, my husband, he ain't, he don't come to church, and he uh, ain't got nothing to do with your legs. Your legs take you everywhere else, huh? You always muscling him for some extra money for gasoline when you want to go shopping. You know, it's like, Bay, Bay, Bay. And you got your got your little ten dollars you could put in a tag. Huh? Now one day Bay gonna tell you to get out and get you a job. Huh? Till that day comes. <laughs> Amen. So God is going to constrain us, folks, in this walk. I got news for you. You don't do everything you want to do when you want to do it. Amen? Amen. 
and you don't walk away from a commitment to God because the next open door you think you get to you ever seen the, the commercials where they got the glass door nobody knows is there that's gonna be you huh i'm a witness because see in the place of constraint is where your faith is built that's the only way it can be built folks is in the place of constraint it can't be your faith cannot be built if you can get out of a tight spot wiggle out yourself and go do something else or go and watch and see what everybody else in the boat does so until you see it works out for them and then you get back in there that's peter's mentality amen he wants to separate himself from that situation because it's overwhelming to him and there may be times where you may feel overwhelmed by some of the things that god uh, has in store for you and wants you to accomplish and wants wants you to be challenged by you know there many of us want wealth there's nothing wrong with it but with wealth comes other things that god wants you to be able to master when they come upon you and and it it sometimes you think well how'd i get in this situation you know poor little me god (laughs) you know all this but see these are the things that we desire we pray for but with it comes a certain amount of stuff you know is it like for instance my husband passed away it's been almost 20 years ago now and almost immediately after he died people started suing me i see we all want wealth right when you get it people gonna sue you do you understand me i mean for frivolous things but you got to go through the court you got to get involved in things you got to do and you don't want to be bothered with stuff you just want to go and keep your money to yourself go hide it somewhere so the devil don't know where it is so you don't have to face these things and i had to face the courts with nothing but faith in god that he would be my advocate and that i wouldn't lose a penny the devil wants you to compromise and pay people off huh i was shocked sometimes some of the things that came out of my mouth and i'm you know i'm I'm not a mean person (laughs) i'm not a bad person but the holy ghost that lives in me ain't scared of nobody i found that out over and over and over again first situation i was in i i owned a an apartment part of a co-op six other owners and and i had rented it out for many years already we didn't live there anymore and all of a sudden i get this paper in the mail that i'm being sued by the rest of the owners well there's no such thing either all owners or you're not you will sue each other and they're saying they're gonna confiscate my property and all this kind of stuff and i'm like seriously are these people serious yeah they're serious because they're in court and they feel like if they can go in there and lie and tell the judge anything 
So I call a lawyer. There's a lawyer's name on there. And I called him. I spoke to him. And I told him what the situation was. And he said, well, this is how it's going to go. And I'm like, seriously? If there's anybody doing any prophesying around here, it's going to be me. Huh? So I let him talk, and he told me, oh, yeah, well, we got before, and, and this judge is very, um, what did he tell me? Uh, uh, considerate of our situations, the way we present them. I'm like, he got to end with a judge, and he all this and all that. And, and he said, so my advice to you is just to sign that, that your property over. And I said, well, you know, I don't agree. I said, I guess I'll see you in court, and I hung up. And after we got to court, it took 18 months, lawyers and all that other stuff. When when I paid money, everybody paid money. They didn't take anything from me. And I saw God, and God said, you're going to have to learn how to do this now. He said, because the devil wants to see you. He said, your husband wanted to make sure that you were well taken care of, even in his death he said but the devil has another plan for you and if you don't learn how to stand with me and stand for your own possessions he said the devil will try to take you down every single time the next time somebody sued me for eighty thousand dollars you understand what i'm saying i'm talking about what you want take some stuff you got to live in a constraint of god to make it through with faith And people will offer you and say, well, make an offer. No, I'm not making an offer. I don't have anything to offer you. I'll offer you zero. And that's what they got, zero. Both times. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm saying all that to say this. The constraint of God teaches you how to use your faith in easy things hard things desperate things things that would want to take you over and they are unfair to you so learn how to live happily in the constraint of god because there's a purpose for it he's not making you do something to irritate you and it's not the other person being mean to you and unfair to you There's a constraint in God that disciplines us to hear his voice, to move only at his command, to move by faith, so that when we get over to the place he wants us to be, we'll be over there in peace. You see, peace didn't come to them until the storm was over, or just about over. So you may not have a lot of peace. I had a number of times where my stomach was full of butterflies and i was anxious about everything and and then my mind would say well it's only money give it to them i said i don't know who you are but i know that ain't my husband's voice i know that ain't god's voice so i rebuke you uh and this much you know whatever your position was when you went into the constraint You keep that position the whole time. 
Because if the devil can weaken you and get you to write now checks to people, he will take everything you have. And have you sitting out on the street somewhere with your hand out. That ain't my future. You understand me? And it's not yours either. So God's word would confine us into obeying it and riding it out. And you're going to want to jump ship. It's going to get rough. It's going to get a little tough. But you got to know that Jesus is somewhere praying for you. You don't even know he's praying for you. But you have his power. Number one, you got his word to guide you on, on your side. It's inside you, taking you where you need to go. And then he's interceding for you, fighting off all the obstacles that will come in your way. To hinder you from getting where God wants you to go. You know, I got stuff to do with my money. And it don't include paying off no crazy people. Well, except for y'all. but no, I'm messing with you. Lighten up. Lighten up. Lighten up. No, but you know what I mean. You know, it, it's spoken for already. I don't even know everything God wants me to do yet. But I know he wants me to be in a position to do it. Amen. That's my stuff. Can't have that. <laughs> and you don't have to go down to court like my sister ate Dewey's. She would hide her pistol in one of the plants at the Justice Center. She got a lot of nerve. Walking through the Justice Center, going from parking lot to parking lot, she said, oh, yeah, with this big old gun and put it down there, hiding it between the plants. Right. And it would always be there when she got back. Dewey's don't go nowhere without without her without her friend. <laughs> I can tell you wherever she is, she got it with her. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, but you gotta understand the constraint of God's word, folks. You're not just running around here free little person trying to, you know, get involved in every little thing you think is interesting. You're on an assignment. People who are assigned to to this life in God they have to be certain you got to be a certain place at a certain time all the time you don't have no time to be lollygagging and wasting nowhere we want the promises but you got to convince yourself that you can deal with the constraint too that you can accept it you can embrace it because it's a package deal your faith will be tested Every time you open your mouth to pray for something. That's why we we get all crazy when it takes a while. God's trying to show you that your your faith is not up to the challenge as yet. It's got to be tested. Amen. It's like, you know, these people come in the uh, uh, Mr. Universe and bodybuilding people. You got to work up to getting on TV and stuff and putting that lotion on. And I mean, we can all fake the moves, but you ain't got you ain't never you ain't got the pack to go with none of that stuff. Am I right, Poppy? That's right. See, <laughs> we know how to get in that mirror move, don't we? That's right. All right. <laughs> You know, all of us get in the mirror and suck it in when we need to. 
but but that's got to be tested amen or <laughs> got to be tested so the constraint is your test <laughs> amen you go have to stay in there till it's over with you think i didn't want them to cancel all them proceedings in court i had to walk through every single fire paid a lawyer who would go to sleep during the proceedings just to show you how much i had to depend on god i thought to myself i said what are we paying this guy for lord and god would always say i'm trying to show you something huh don't the bible say vain is the help of man there was my vain help sitting right there he was an hour and a half late for court in front of a judge you don't come late to court huh yeah in the end the, the guy who told me how it was going to go he didn't even show up anymore he sent us he sent his assistant he did have a comb over when he started i'm just being real with y'all by the time but by the time he got through we got through a year or a year and a half later he just had a few sprigs that wasn't nothing to comb over no more and he looked like he was short of breath every time i said you all right oh, yes yes mrs reverend williams you know grasping and all that carrying on okay see by then i'm doing better about halfway through your boat ride you'll be doing better if you stay in the boat if you stay in the boat you keep thinking about getting out and jumping out you don't do so good so the constraint comes with the test it's a package deal when god's word is directing us we may have severe limitations placed on our lives until that word comes to pass amen you always hear people you know these flowery people that like to preach to themselves on youtube i don't even know if they got an audience i don't care hey it's cool because i preach to myself all the time too you know what i'm saying and uh, but uh <laughs> But you know these people said all oh, you in the birthing process you got to travail where is tony where is tony when i need him <laughs> right oh you gotta bring forth yeah and these are men talking they don't know see when they wives had all their babies they was outside somewhere couldn't take it the ones that stay in there nowadays just doing it for show they'd rather be someplace else oh this was the most exhilarating experience of my life and they're on the way out the door you know already <laughs> exhilaration is gone huh but they always preaching to us about gotta travail gotta bring forth gotta... and you're in the labor room now hey you're about to bring it forth right <laughs> they have no clue 
Amen. You know, any woman who's ever had a baby will tell you, you don't go nowhere. (laughs) Where is there to go? You are constrained until that labor lets you go. Amen. So this is not like some little flimsy test that you can get up from anytime you want to and keep it moving. This is something that you are locked into in order to see success or to see that promises in order to have a live birth instead of somebody that's on life support. See, we got some life support promises out here. They're very, very expensive because we push through prematurely. You got me? So you got to let that constraint stay on you until you're released. Amen? Until you're released. The day that I got the letter from the court that there was there was no judgment against me, it was found that they did not have standing to bring that type. That's what I said. That's what I told you all to begin with. Well, actually, I didn't really – I didn't use lawyer ease. Maybe that's why they didn't understand me. But the the bailiff who came down to tell us we were getting ready to have the case decided, he said, now we can decide it right now. Mrs. Williams, you give Mrs. So-and-so a check. I said, I ain't giving nobody money for nothing. And he said, okay, I'll give it to the judge. We go to court now. I said, cool. I'll see you. Just send me the papers. I'll be here. Oh, God. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You be nervous and crying, but you don't show that to the devil. Huh? I said, Mrs. Who? I said, she's not even a legal owner. And he looked at me, okay, we're going to the judge. I said, I know so well we are. Who is he? <laughs> I must I must be uh appear before Caesar, you know. You know, you get into your Paul you get into your Paul motif then. Oh, put me on the ship now, I'm going to meet Caesar. <laughs> So the constraint, we said, is definitely a test. you got to stay in the confined quarters with nervousness. All them people represented people just like Peter, nervous, fearful of the elements. Oh, God told me, yeah, didn't God say we was going to get over to the other side? Yeah, but that was a few hours ago. He didn't know about this storm. Yes, he did. And he sent you right into it. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, Barb, that's kind of mean, don't you think? I mean, sending you into danger? Listen, there's danger all around us, and we don't perceive it. You in danger just getting up every morning, <laughs> living in this world. You kidding me? Peter, his faith comes from God. His faith was only good inside the ship. Not outside. That's something he didn't understand. But he would get to understand it. See, all of us who want to step outside the boat before it's time and not be in there and get damaged or hurt and everything like that. And this isn't the only time this happened to them. They had another boat experience where Jesus was in the boat 
asleep. You would do good to imitate Christ in a situation like that. If he's sleeping, you need to be sleeping. Huh? You just need to be. Why? There was, there was a, a situation I was thinking about this. Brother Hagen talked about this. They During World War II, uh, these people were in Europe. Uh, it, they, people would go every night to a bomb shelter. And they would kind of, the people in the neighborhood, you know, because it was wartime, you kept up with each other. And so there were certain of them in this particular bomb shelter. And, and one night this one elderly woman was missing. And then she was missing for several days. And people were saying, oh, boy, I hope nothing's wrong with her. I hope she didn't, you know, maybe she got uh, destroyed in one of the fires or bombs or something, you know, uh, thinking the worst. And then somebody saw her walking on the street in the daytime. And they asked her, oh, where have you been? We've been looking for you in the bomb shelter every night. Why, 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 why aren't you there? See, you know, I was reading the Bible, and, and, and Jesus said he never slumbers or sleeps, so I figured I'd go to sleep, too, in my bed. So she'd been in her bed sleep every night, and they run it over to the bomb shelter. She said, I fear it wasn't no use both of us staying up. <laughs> the constraint of God will keep you in that place of testing. Until your faith is proven. He's proving your faith, not to him, to you. You got to know what your faith will do. See, when we start praying for different things, blessings to come in our lives, all these kind of things, you got to know how to protect your blessings. You really do. And God showed that to me. He said, you know, there are lots of people that would just want to scam widows. You know, widows are always vulnerable, unless you know God. <laughs> then your devil better watch out. I'm the wild widow. Yeah. I'm taking somebody down with me. If I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to be that way. I didn't want to be tested. I just wanted to be incognito. You understand what I'm saying? Let's take my little inheritance and live off of it as I saw fit. You know, nobody, I mess with nobody, nobody mess with me. So Peter decides he wants out of the boat. In 27, Jesus appears to them. He sees they're afraid. He tells them not to be. He said, it's me. And Peter answered him and said, if it is you. See, this is not the way to approach God, to be honest with you. Whether you're a disciple who barely knows who Jesus is or whether you his inner circle or whoever you think you are. That's really tempting the Lord. When you look at it, and that looks familiar, like Luke chapter 4, where Satan said, if you're the son of God, take this stone, turn to bread, if you're the son of God. So Peter goes, Lord, if that's you, 
See, this is like reading a scripture and not knowing if it applies to you or not. And you want to go run with it and you halfway believe it. Uh Or getting somebody's a set of somebody's tapes. And you listen to them day and night. You think you got something revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? If it's you, if this is God, oh, I got something going. Ooh, I got something going on here. <laughs> he said, let me come out there on the water. Jesus said, come. And he went. He didn't give any specifics. Like Peter didn't say, let me come out on the water and walk with you and let's talk and let's do this. He said, just let me come out there. And Jesus said, okay. And that's as far as he went. It's like, let me come. Why? Everything God does is purposeful. Everything God does leads to success. They were in the boat. He was already on his way to success because he was going where Jesus told him he wanted him to go. He could not have been in a better place than in that boat. But all of a sudden, Peter wants something different. Could it be the constraint of the boat made him a little upset and he wanted out of the constraint? Could it be that Peter was the most nervous person in the boat? You ever wanted out of a situation so bad you just didn't care how you got out of it? I mean, for somebody to say, let me come out there and walk on water, come on now, that ain't even normal thinking. How would he ever think that that's a better place than being in the boat? But fear can drive you that far. See what I'm saying? And that fear was ordained to separate out people from their preconceived ideas, from their their presumed abilities see the test comes to separate you your soul from your spirit to separate out what you really believe on the inside of you to what you think you believe or who you think you are or what you think your abilities are what you think you're here for where you think you're going that constraint and then the testing that comes with it comes to separate out all of those parts so you begin to understand where you're how strong is your spirit how strong is your faith really and see peter's faith outside of the will of god was zero because he began to sink almost immediately your your own human faith is so much in tune with agreeing with the elements That you don't even understand how close you are to failing if God didn't keep you constrained. See, when Peter got out of the boat, the first thing he noticed was the things that were against him. When you get out of the will of God, like when I went through that, that, that trial with my finances, I had to stay in the word every day three and four times a day 
crawl up in the bed with the Bible the whole night. And I mean my paper Bible. I ain't talking about no app. Because there's a bunch of apps on my phone. I don't know about your phone, but there's a whole bunch of them over there. You know, I even got some old crazy game. You know, it's, it looked like a little kid's game. I said, oh boy, this is pretty bad. But you understand what I'm saying. It wasting time. These things are time wasters. When you want, you get serious, you get your paper Bible and crawl up with that. You understand what? So you can sleep in them pages. Let the ink get wet from you sweating and crying and rub off on you. Amen. So the boat that Peter and the rest of the disciples were in was filled with sight, doubt, and fear. What their eyes were able to see in the natural made them doubt and fear for their lives. They didn't they doubted that they would make it to the other side. It's interesting when Jesus caught Peter, he knew Peter's faith was small when he let him get out of the boat. Huh? That was no shock to Jesus that he had to help Peter up. It's no shock. Your your stuff ain't no shock to him either when he has to help you. Amen? But it's important for us to get to understand ourselves better and get to understand how we doubt, why we doubt, how we get distracted, why we get distracted. It's very important that we get those questions answered. We get understanding so that the next time God sends us somewhere and constrains us to hold on till we get to the other side, we'll be wiser going in. We'll be able to make it through. Sometimes you just, uh, you know, that, that song that they sing sometimes that says, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. It's the truth. Because your carnal mind can't even bring an answer to a spiritual happening. But you'll look back and you say, I don't even know how I made it through that. I was so nervous and so upset. And I know when I got to where I was going, I didn't halfway say the things I should have said. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't know what was going to happen from moment to moment. I just had to go in by faith with nothing promised to me. You know, hanging on to the word. As best I knew how. Huh? You have to do these things sometimes. Sometimes almost the worst thing you can get in the middle of a trial is another prophecy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because unless it's going to make you hang on. But if you're already hanging on by a slender thread. And somebody comes up to you and say, thus saith the Lord. You're like, what? What? No, I don't need nothing else right now. You don't need one more idea coming through your head. You don't need nothing else to check your spirit and see if it's God or not. You don't need no more information. You just need to hang on until you get to the other side to see if you get there in one piece. Thank you. doubt is an interesting concept because the word doubt the greek word suken really means to lift up the soul or to keep one in suspense 
Doubt really says you haven't made a decision yet. You hear what I said? I said you haven't made. God's mind is made up where he's taken you, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do. All that's made up with God. But you got to make up your mind about it. So when you doubt, your soul starts to get lifted up and trying to overshadow your spirit and make your spirit bow to its dictates. But what if? But what about? But what if this happens? Well, what if you lose everything? Well, what if this don't happen for you? What, what, what if, what? It means to lift up the soul above where the word in the spirit is, is taking you. And so doubt will come to everybody's mind. But you don't have to stop and consider it. You just need to stay with what's in your spirit. What did God tell you that's constraining you to continue to stay in the boat that he's crafted for you? If God puts you in a boat, it's sturdy enough to get you to the destination. Your boat is not going to fail. It's not going to leak. The enemy is the wind is not going to take it under. None of that is going to happen. But your boat is going to get you. It is constructed of the right kind of stuff. In that boat is the word of God. It's what you need. It's teaching. It's counsel. If you're in a church, you're in a a ministry or, or local assembly, God will feed you there. You'll be able to be sustained. You'll get encouragement on your boat ride every time you you come into the presence of God. He's made it easy for us. He wants us to stay in there so that he can prove our faith to us. Amen. Many times I wasn't sure how how this drama was going to end. I just wanted it over with, to be honest with you. You want things done. But I wasn't done. God had to lead me in that situation till I got done. And I began to understand that God was my keeper, God was my provider, God was my protector, and God was my source. Now you can say you know all of that, but I'm going to tell you till you get in the boat and get where you're going and then get out the boat, you don't know nothing. Huh? You don't know nothing. I didn't know how many people there are in in just one court system that were robbing people that were just like me in that area where I lived. Because that guy told it. He said, the way we do this is we get everybody together. In other words, we get the other uh, shareholders to gang up on one person and take that, that property away from them. And then guess what else happened? The bank came in and took it from the rest of them. All on that block. I can tell you where it is. It's East Boulevard between Way Park and whatever is up there, Superior. All those apartments are being taken away from people because they're all older now. They don't have the financial resources. All the judges that used to live there is all dead and gone now. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so... Not only did God preserve what I have, but I believe he's helping people that are yet to get ripped off not to get ripped off now. Because they know they can go in there and beat it if they've got God on their side. So there are more things involved than just your purse strings, your personal comfort. 
the things you want. There's kingdom business that God is doing. There's kingdom principles that he's laying down. He needs people to go into the court system who will pray and take him in there so he can straighten things out. Why I got chosen? No, I'm not going to go there no more. Why me, girl? Why me, my way, my way, But But he will do those things. He said if somebody fights you, he'll fight them for you. You won't have to do anything. All I did was show up. And I saw God move. I saw miracles. I saw people that thought they had power be reduced to nervous little people. You understand what I'm saying? And I wanted to gloat. And I wanted to say, see, I told you, don't mess with the barb. Huh? That's pretty good, right? You know, but it's like, hey, listen, I done sweated so much and prayed so much, I ain't even in the mood for celebrating. Just let me, let me move on. Amen. Well, God says if he see you delighting somebody's demise, he'll pull the, pull the dogs off of them. You know what I'm saying? So I said, no, nah, God, leave them on. I don't have to get excited about this. Amen. So doubt keeps you in suspense, keeps the whole situation in suspense, because you haven't made a decision about it. In order to get rid of doubt, all you got to do is say, well, God, I want this, and I don't care. I'm going to stay with it no matter what. Amen. You cho- Or, I'm not sure if I do want it, but you chose it for me. I'm going to submit to it. Amen? But I'm, I'm with you, God, and I'm willing to, to ride this out. I would tell God sometimes, I say, well, God, I don't care. You know, you're my healer. As long as I know I get healed, I'm good. You understand what I'm saying? As long as I know I'm good with you, I'm good with the situation. And so it, it, it just is that way. So uh, God wants us to live with the uh, holy constraint because we're going somewhere and and he is with us with his word in sending us but he also will join us on the other side where the victory is amen on the other side where the promise is on the other side where the manifestation is he will join us there doubt always leads to condemnation Doubt means that you are not fully persuaded. Turn to Romans chapter 14. And verse... 23 i think it is it says that he that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith whatsoever is not of faith is sin so whenever you move in doubt and not in faith that condemns you so the best place to be is in the will of god if you're constrained stay where god is because to step out of that will put it's because doubt has come to you And you're trying to stay in a situation where you're not fully persuaded you're supposed to be. That's the best way I can put it to you. There's some people who don't want no stress, no problems, no testing, no lack. You know, they want a participation trophy. 
you understand what i'm saying well peter got had to get back in the boat anyway so he didn't get a participation trophy he got a rebuke from jesus when jesus had number one when you are in a test you don't change your confession what did peter say to jesus when he you know even though it was kind of crooked and left-handed i think y'all don't have to think that way but i kind of tend to look at things a little (laughs) at least try to desert them by the spirit but he says here after jesus tells them be cool it's me in other words your savior is here your help is here i'm the one that put you in the boat if you need me out here bad i'm here with you you know god does all the things he needs to do to reassure us we're gonna be okay and if we don't listen to him we'll figure we're not okay and we got to find our own way and that's what peter did here jesus tells them chill out it's me i'm here i'm taking care of you i saw you in the spirit before i even got here and i prayed for you and i knew you only had like five more minutes of nerve left before y'all all jump out the ship and peter answered him and said lord if that's you choose me let me come out let me just let me get out the boat and jesus said okay cool come on out here you bad (laughs) it's wet out here though (laughs) it ain't no more cooler out here than it is in there but come on it's like we want to get out of everything we don't like god will let you go he said the bible says he gave them what they craved for but he that left them with leanness of soul you're looking at a lean soul right here peter he said come out when peter came down out of the ship he walked on the water to go to jesus now you gotta understand this ain't no little teeny boat we got one minute oh lord how'd we get here we gotta keep going a little bit honey okay all right so he says alicia just woke up you hear that now she thinks she's fooling me see the baba is on today no i'm messing i mess with alicia a lot but anyway she my girl <laughs> but he came down out of the ship so this ship had some height to it it had some you know like some kind of shield from the water they went out no little teeny you know you see them pictures people draw them out all them out there crowded and what that ain't what they were in they were in a safe enough boat so they would feel comfortable getting into it to begin with that's the way all of our promises are we feel comfortable believing god for stuff until we get into the process of seeing it happen then we get nervous and it says peter looked at jesus jesus said come he got out of the water and as soon as he got out he started realizing where he was huh that's most of us oh i thank god for my 20s on my escalade <laughs> 
and it's a hundred thousand dollars or more huh so you wind up getting that little keychain with the cadillac emblem on it you put it on the refrigerator that's your your vision for your you gonna get the rest to go with it one day as far as we go but anyway he says (laughs) immediately jesus stretched out and so this is what happened first it was let me come out there i'm I'm full of faith and power let me come out with you jesus i can be out there doing what you do i ain't scared like your boys down here in the boat i'm peter remember me the rock and the gates of hell won't prevail you know me peter i'm the special peter let me get out there with you and so as soon as peter sees what's going on he started to sink and then he changes his confession lord save me he could have said that when he first saw jesus he didn't have to get all up and perform and carry on and you understand what i'm saying now peter got a reputation in the bible for everybody to see he's the dude that couldn't cut it huh so immediately says jesus stretch i mean immediately when you call on him and ask for help he rescues you don't ever think god is slow rescuing you he's not he's there he sends angels immediately he sends help immediately he comes himself he's already prayed for him that prayer is what's really going to save him and he said jesus said oh you of little faith why did you doubt amen what made you doubt now, jesus knew peter's faith was little before he let him come out there so why did he let him come out why does he let us dream big why does he let us believe things that are bigger than we are because there's no harm in desiring things that god wants for us and many of them will be big some of them will be not because of us but because of what god's called us to do there are some things that that your leaders have to go through so that they can make it through so they have helped faith for them and you too you don't want to let somebody speak into your life that isn't a courageous person you know i mean at least i'm I'm talking about in god you know what i'm saying you know what i mean by that and and not afraid to help you to step out and go where god wants you to go other than that we all stuck in a little place you understand what i'm saying so so god wants us to be constrained by his word you have to ride this out like this situation with this lockdown shutdown whatever this down thing is that's going on here we're going to have to hold on to god until the end of the line because you know right now you don't see anybody trying to break out of it nobody getting real courageous anybody who's courageous gets slapped down real quick you got me by the powers that be and so we're going to have to ride this out until god releases you got me and and stay with him in faith you don't want to get into doubt and looking at the elements and get turned off and get you know you don't want to go back to the world that's what this is all about christians can't go to church they can't get prayer they can't be sustained the way they usually are many of them just find something interesting in the world to do it always amazes me the people that god brings in new 
that are coming out of the world. They must be praying. You understand what I'm saying? And so when God does something, folks, he wants us to see it through. He will see it through with us, but he's not testing you just for fun. There's a godly purpose to it. Because when those disciples stayed in and got through that ride with Jesus, they began to understand, number one, they got a new revelation of Christ. It said they worshipped him and said, this man truly is the son of God. And I can tell you that if your test at the end of it, you get a new revelation of Christ, you got to say it's well worth it. Because everybody doesn't have one. People know, know Jesus by his name and, and through the Bible, but have a personal revelation where you know he's imparted a part of him into you. That's totally, totally different. Because you come away with that more powerful, more understanding, with greater abilities, greater ability to depend on him even in difficult situations. Though we don't want to believe we're heading for anything difficult. We are anyway, if God so chooses. And so you got to learn these things. you got to know these things. We're, we're pilgrims in a hostile world. And so, but we got to know that we have a mighty God who takes care of us. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us and helping us, constraining us woo, in the things of God. The constraint of God is a wonderful thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, the Lord does have a word for us. And what he wants to tell us is, he says, I am constraining those people who love me. Your love for me is really the constraining factor. Don't break the cords of your love to me, says. Don't break those cords. Let those cords work. Their fundamental work, let those cords work. Their supernatural work, let those cords work. Their restraining work, and let those cords work. Their nurturing work. For you are a part of my body, and I have ordained that you would be sustained through this difficult time in the earth. And it is difficult, says the Lord. It's getting more difficult for many people. But you are connected to me by love. That nothing can separate you from me in that, says the Lord. Not heights, depths, <laughs> prisons, good things, bad things, powers that be, lies, deception. Even the frivolities of life will not separate you from me, says the Spirit of God. Nothing can separate you from my love because you are attached with a strong cord, says the Lord a very strong cord so stay attached stay focused stay sharp because you are gaining a new understanding and a new revelation of my ability to sustain you and others around you says the lord and when the dust has settled says the lord you'll begin to see clearly you can't see clearly when there's dust everywhere but the constraint is for you to wait until it settles don't jump ship, don't break rank, don't flee, because there's no way to go to, says the Lord. You've got to stay with me through this one. So trust me, and as you trust me, I'll begin to impart to you everything that you need, everything that you need to be sustained through this hour, 
so that my glory will be revealed in you in such a way that you have never, ever dreamed it could be revealed, said the Lord. That's something I'm keeping for the last hour, says the Lord. So understand what I'm doing in the earth. Understand that there is more to come. There's more revelation to come. It will come when I'm ready to release it, says the Lord, and not before. And so I will be the one to release that revelation into the earth. And when the dust settles, you'll see clearly. And you know what I've been doing. Because my trademark will be there. My signature will be on the work. My thumbprint and my seal will be on everything that I have preserved for the end time, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And nobody is going to know ahead of time everything that I'm doing, says the Lord. There are some people that know a trickle here and there, but it's not much. It's not even enough to feed anybody with, says the Lord. I'm telling you, wait until the dust settles, and all will be revealed to you, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. I think that's good. All right. Why don't we do our confession? I don't have Rona. And she don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. And I thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, we are healed. Amen. It is so decreed. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Ms. Noel, if you want to start those, you can pass them to me and I'll pass them on. Um, April, can you come up here and take them as uh, Ms. Nola gives them to me and I'll give them to you.